Welcome back to the Vet SOS show brought to you by the Who You Know Network. Remember, don't drown in the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS Lifeline. We have another outstanding guest with you today, with us today uh, in Tim Frederick. Uh, just amazing information he's going to share with us. So excited to get into this questioning here. Uh, but before we do, we want to thank everybody for who has been pairing their channels with us, helping us get the word out, streaming our broadcast across their own networks to, to help spread the word. We owe you a huge thank you to help get that information out to the veteran community. Uh, I'm here with my, my partner, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Thanks for joining and tuning in. Let us know where you're watching from, what your base post duty station is, uh, or your city if you're retired. So I uh, appreciate you being here. And again, help spread the love by sharing the feed, tagging and posting, right? Tag those who you think would benefit from this contact to your network. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a couple things going on today. One, this is episode 20. Believe it or not, we're already up to episode 20. Uh, very excited about that. Um, Tim, we're happy to have you here today. Uh, Tim Frederick's a former Navy SEAL who transitioned into the civilian world and an exemplary role model showing what it takes to be a great human father, husband, Navy SEAL, and leader, besides being a tremendous supporter of the veterans across the U.S., in addition, Tim is an executive producer and host of new TV series, Veterans in Transition, a committed veteran advocate, leadership coach, and Warriors and Whiskey Club ambassador. So I'm going to tell you right up front, Tim, there's two things that I absolutely love about you that you're involved in that are near and dear to my heart, and that is the veteran advocate and the love of whiskey. So we're definitely going to be talking about both of those. But how are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on your show. And outstanding. It's a, it, it's been a great journey so far. Um, our, you know, Murphy keeps showing up every week and messing with us a little bit, but we're, we're trying to keep the title away from him. Uh, we do appreciate you coming on today. Um, so you, you obviously had a great career in the Navy. Uh, you did some amazing things. Um, I know being career army, I, I've heard stories. Uh, I've, I've gotten to see, uh, you know, some seal action in various locations. In fact, looking at your bio, you and I may have been in Ramadi at the same time uh, when I was there with the uh, first armor um, division um, working under the Marines. Not sure if you were in that part or not during the surge, but um, definitely some ties there. We've been, been in some of the same locations, seen some of the, the some things and granted what, what you did is probably a, li a little bit more uh, adventurous than me as an Intel analyst, but hopefully I provide you something you could have used. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, I was in uh, the Ramadi area, Fallujah, Ramadi, Baghdad area in 06 and 07. And then uh, when I went back over to Iraq in 08, uh, I was mainly in Haditha and the Al-Assad area. Okay. Yeah, that would have been the exact timeline. We were down there in uh, Ramadi for the Awakening Movement with uh, Sheikh Sitar. So uh, very interesting time. Yeah, 06 and 07, it was a bad time over there in certain areas, especially that Karma area in Ramadi near what we call the glass house. Yep, yep, absolutely. So after your career, you know, what made you get, get into the, the veteran space, you know, working as a veteran advocate? I mean, aside from your service, was there something that drew you to it? Well, you know, I always like helping people and especially uh, military service members and veterans. Uh, I and getting uh, a chance to talk in, or to talk with people, uh, whether personnel is in that transition space, um, depending on how much runway they have to work with during that transition, 
dealing with the VA. I hate it when people come back from deployment and then within two to three months, you know, they're getting out because you can't prep for that transition getting out. Even if you had a year, year and a half, you really can't do it effectively. But I see it all the time to where people will come back with a short runway, so to speak, and, and transition out and promises don't come through with jobs that they're looking for, their interaction with the VA uh, doesn't work out necessarily how they had it planned out and uh, not enough contingencies and basically just not enough time to plan effectively to have a smooth transition. And, you know, it's uh, case by case and everything is individualized for a transition depending on the person's situation, their family, uh, what they bring to the table, their qual. So, so uh, there's no cookie cutter approach to it and there's no one size fits all. You know, it's uh, what is right for that person, that person's family, the next employer and so forth. And there's, there's just so many dynamics. So I always try to help people uh, when I get the opportunity. And um, I've done a several podcasts recently. So uh, I, I get some phone calls. My phone uh, goes off quite a bit. And then I, I help when I can um, uh, just in, in all of that, and veterans in transition. That includes when people come back from deployment. Some people's been in combat ever since 9-11 uh, happened, you know, and still to this date, that's, that's a, uh, that, that takes a huge toll on not just the operator or the individual, but the, the family and uh, veterans in transition, that's so broad. Uh, it's not just someone, whether they serve five years or 40 years, that are about to get out and transition over to the civilian sector. It's veterans and service members coming back from deployment specifically combat zones or rough deployments where they lost somebody and they're transitioning back into their community or they're uh, with their family trying to live a normal life. And then it just don't work out sometimes. That's absolutely true. I know I've, I've seen it numerous times with colleagues and things like that. And, and even myself, the transition from time to time, you know, I, I, I've had my, a, a couple of bouts with, you know, anger management and things like that. You know, these, these are, you know, things that you have to do. And as leaders, you get to use them as examples with your, your soldiers or um, sailors, you know, to, to show them that, you know, we all go through things, you know, and, mm -hmm. and there is help out there and you need to seek the help you get because uh, too often, I mean, we're, we're still averaging roughly 22 a day in suicides and, and that's just one's too many. We, we got to find a way to get people the help that they need. Without a doubt, and uh, it, it and it takes a a number of people that are involved in trying to get whether it's people getting out of the military or whether it's uh, veterans that are coming back from uh, those uh, hot areas. I'll call them overseas, getting them in the right program for them because people will try to come up with a cookie cutter type approach or a one size fits all, and, and that I believe personally that that's a mistake. Uh, that you need to find the right program for that situation, that member. And uh, not enough people know about the, all the programs and nonprofits or uh, organizations that do great work for people on a daily basis. It's just not common knowledge. And, and it's definitely not common knowledge to someone that's coming back uh, from overseas and they get out on a short runway uh, with very little to work with. And 
uh, very little knowledge in dealing with the VA and communicating with the VA and uh, and, and lining up their next uh, job and where their family is taken care of. So just so many areas that need to be tackled uh, to cut that number way down and, and then hopefully get it near zero one day. Uh, but uh, that's way too many, uh, 22 or sometimes that number obviously fluctuates, goes up higher. Uh, and, and that's just, we, we have to work on that. But that's, that's going to take a huge team and it's going to take a lot of people that's focused on uh, working on that and getting that cookie cutter one size fits all approach out because uh, it, it needs to be individualized to that situation and that person. I think you're muted, Mark. Oh yeah, I think so. Um, Tim, Hey, what's, you know, certainly that, that is a, a prevalent issue. Uh, probably one of the biggest issues, let's just put it that way. Right. Um, but with the work that you're doing now, in the support that you're providing and even the network, right. With the show and in the channel that you have, um, with a TV show, maybe not what's the most common, but what's the most, what's the most prevalent need, right? What's the, what's the most difficult challenge that people are having in their transitions right now? Well, um, I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot to that question, but when someone gets out, pick a person, whether they're a special operations, uh, type operator or just someone that's getting out of the service. Uh, the military leaders, especially for our junior folks, generally what I see the officers are taking care of, for the most part, there's, there's still a ways to go there. The senior enlisted are taking care of. I went through the Honor Foundation program, one, one of many, many great organizations that do great work in preparing uh, personnel for that transition. Uh, but but people and, and leaders specifically need to uh, do a better job, in my opinion, of, of informing personnel of programs that's out there. And then if there's not a billet, say in San Diego uh, location that lines up with a service member that's getting out, whether it be a SEAL from the Coronado area or a military member from San Diego or a Marine from Camp Pendleton, is if it's not, a honor foundation uh, program or a class or, or uh, uh, session that's available, then find one and that's right for that individual. But you have to know that member in, in uh, because there's many of these organizations that do great things and, and they all get from A to Z differently, completely differently as a matter of fact. Some programs last a month, some last two months, three months. Some go out through a whole year where they meet once or twice a month, you know. So, so how they get from A to Z, that doesn't really matter. But, but if something is not available in their area, especially before they get out, then work with uh, that service member or now veteran uh, and getting them in the right program. Like in Montana, you got the Commit Foundation that's in Bozeman. If somebody happens to be there. I, I bet you that a lot of people don't even know about that wonderful organization. But uh, if you're in the Indiana area, you got the Catalyst Program. Uh, in Norfolk, you got the Honor Foundation, you got Blue Water Advisors, uh, which is a fairly new program. I could go on and on, and I would love to uh, send you all a spreadsheet of all of the nonprofits. And that's just a spreadsheet that I put together. And by no means is it all inclusive. Because there's so many that I don't even know about, and I've been researching it 
um, the, the topic. And uh, uh, since I did uh, exit the military in uh, November of 21, and, and I'm still looking for the right fit for myself as far as uh, I'm doing this uh, just uh, to what I can, and whether it be taking phone calls or taking Zoom calls or doing these podcasts to get the word out and about some of these programs, but I haven't found the right fit for me, and I, I've been trained on it, and I had a very long runway. Uh, so, so again, there it's it's no one-size-fits-all approach. Sometimes promises and jobs that you think is lined up or not lined up. And uh, so as with military-type planning, you have to have a plan. It has to be a good plan. You have to have uh, a, a runway that is sufficient for your requirements and your family's requirements. And um, it, it needs to be tailored to that situation. But um, so, so hopefully that answered your question. But it's so many dynamics that go into that. Uh, but I think it's just leaders not knowing their people well enough, not knowing what program is best for them. And then uh, to start not informing the uh, service members of what's out there, whether it be in their area where they're stationed at and getting out of the military or where they're moving to. If, you, if sometimes that timeline don't line up to where they get uh, these services or some of these services before they get out, well, you can still help that person out, not just write them off because they're now out. Uh, but I, I see that all the time. And then just in my small community, uh, and again, uh, and this is not um, nothing against the officers, nothing against the senior enlisted. But uh, a couple of months before I got out, I, after I went through the Honor Foundations program, and my community is very small. Uh, our teams are very small compared to other branches of service. And I would go down to the communications department. I'd go to the administrative or engineering departments, and uh, people would come up. And it's like, hey, I heard you attended a program that gears you for a transition. And then uh, I'm like, yeah. And uh, they're like, well, how did you get into that program? Nobody took time to explain that. And in some cases, some people don't even know the program, the Honor Foundation, and, and they cater to uh, the Navy and now soft across the board and uh, all the branches of services. Now, originally, eight years ago, it was pretty much uh, the SEALs and the Marines taking advantage. Now you have bases in a couple in Florida, a couple in North Carolina, but, but these, uh, especially the support staff and they're critical to our mission in, in whatever capacity you serve, they don't even know about it, especially the junior folks. And, uh, it's a shame. And, uh, that means that their leadership, uh, whether it be their senior enlisted who probably did know about it or their department head or division officer, uh, did know about it. They didn't share that with them uh, or they found out that there wasn't a billet available or did, so they thought, so they didn't share it. So there's a number of reasons, but, but getting the word out, getting people to the program that best fits them and their needs or families' needs. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of work to be done and there's so many gaps and seams that need to be filled in in those areas to uh, do a better job with that. That's a hundred percent true, and we're hearing that time and time again. You know, it, it, you have to one figure out what what fits you. Um, and there's just there's forty thousand plus organizations out there, so there's tons to choose from, and it's easy to get overwhelmed. Um, so, I want to ask you about the Veterans and Transition TV show, but before we get to that, 
I need you to talk to me about Warriors and Whiskey Club as an ambassador. I I am uh, love whiskey. Uh, I'll say I'm an avid consumer. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm an ambassador or an uh, expert. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Tell, tell us what, what, what that's going on. I, I had never heard of that before I saw it on your uh, profile. Well, Warriors and Whiskey Club, there's three clubs. you got the Warriors and Whiskey Club, you got the Veterans Whiskey Club, and you got the Veterans Cigar Club. Uh, the Warriors and Whiskey Club is for first responders, family of first responders, military, family of military, veterans, family of veterans. So basically anybody. Uh, most everyone can join that Warriors and Whiskey Club. The Veterans Clubs are just that. But but it's not just getting together and having a great time. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, but the main uh, goals of, of the programs and the organization as a whole is getting people together, whether they're out in the middle of Montana or out in the middle of Texas. Uh, we have approximately 72, 75 uh, ambassadors now, and their jobs is setting up events, whether it be in a park, whether it be in a, a, a whiskey bar or, or a brewery. It doesn't really matter. And whether you drink whiskey, whether you drink beer or sodas or water, uh, the point is bringing people together. And uh, if somebody were to have a problem or, or be having a problem, hopefully uh, someone that knows that individual sees something and uh, can creatively uh, help out in whatever way. And then that could be a girlfriend or a wife or a family member that just happens to be there as well. Uh, share something that um, whether the person wanted them to share it or not, if somebody needs help, it's just another avenue and another way to bring people and especially veterans to where they no longer have that swim buddy. They no longer have that uh, battle buddy or uh, or that friend that they relied on, whether they served for five years, 40 years, uh, it, it's not there no more. And then, uh, so, yeah, you can get together, you can have fun, you need to get there safely, especially if it involves alcohol, and get home safely. But, uh, but the whole gist of it uh, and the main intent, get people together, have fun, share stories, combat stories, funny stories, sea stories. And, and then if something is noticed, get creative. Um, don't put anybody on the spot, but figure out a way to where as a team, you can get somebody the help that they need. So that's the main intent behind it. Uh, but it's also, uh, uh, we're trying to spread, uh, out as, uh, fast and as effective as we can with the right people in the right locations. Um, I think it's around 22,000 members in each of the different clubs right now with the seven, along with the 75 ambassadors and the three founders. So, um, so, uh, in a city and a state near you, it's coming. Uh, it's just a matter of how soon, but when we do, uh, uh, have these events come on out and, um, there's, there's, and, and then a lot of the proceeds and it depends on what those ambassadors can negotiate, but the proceeds go to NGOs or nonprofit organizations and, and uh, foundations that do great work, uh, Canines for Warriors, for example, uh, they might get 30% of, of the gross profit from an event that lasted three or four hours if, if the ambassador can negotiate with that, with the host site. Uh, so, and, and uh, we're always looking for organizations to partner up with, corporate partners and, and sponsors and so forth, but, but, uh, but the sky's the limit. And it all depends on what can be negotiated as far as what 
uh, nonprofit organization, our foundation that's just doing simply great work, uh, get some of those proceeds. Uh, and, and if all the ambassadors do that and they pick a nonprofit or a, a foundation that they want to support, then uh, then we I'm sure we can work it out and add them uh, to the list that's currently growing right now. But Canines for Warriors is one organization that uh, we are partnered with, and um, and we always try to include them in, in whatever uh, event that we host or whatever site hosts us. That's that's awesome. Sold. <laughs> cigars and whiskey i mean it's, you can't argue with it with the business plan um so veterans in transition tv series tell us about this what, what do you got going on with that and, and why did you why did you get involved with it well the uh the offer kind of fell in my lap and i got involved because uh, i got a message uh overnight uh, from the president of uh, Jewel TV, hey, do you uh, want to help veterans out with the TV series? And I'm like, mm, I'd like to know more about this. Uh, I'm always looking for creative ways to help out when and where possible. And that's everybody, really. I, I, I'll help anybody that I can help out. And if there's a lesson learned that I learned over time, and I've learned a many, then I, I try to help others uh, not relearn that same lesson. And uh, work-life balance, we can get to that uh, a little later because uh, uh, that's very important in whatever job you do, not just the military, but it's extremely important in the military. But uh, I mentioned how broad Veterans in Transition is, whether it be uh, shedding, uh, a, a putting a spotlight on these nonprofit organizations and uh, these foundations that are doing great work that not many people know about. Uh, getting the word out on them and highlighting them and uh, entertaining uh, an audience with the great work that's happening. And uh, especially when, and, and it's not uh, just the soft community, but a lot of the entertainments that are there already, especially if you can combine it with a sporting event, uh, you know, and, and the veterans and uh, the service animals that are out that's helping veterans, whether it be dogs, whether it be horses, uh, the organizations that are providing surf therapy. Uh, and, and, and again, they, I mean, some people, surf therapy won't do anything for them. But for some people, it really relaxes them. It soothes their, uh, their mind, and uh, it really helps them out. Uh, fishing or getting back to the nature, uh, the, the specialized medicine, let's face it, the innovation and technology is there. It's just getting people to what works best for them in their situation uh, with everything that's out there. But so shedding the light on that and then also shedding the light, one of the main intent, the intents behind the show was to shed a light on when service members come back uh, from deployment, especially when you look at someone ever since 9-11 uh, that has been every nine months, every year, year and a half, been deployed to areas around the world in Yemen, Somalia, Syria, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan very, very dynamic areas to where something could be going perfectly normal one second and then not be anywhere near normal the next second. And they've been doing this and training for this uh, ever since, and they're still doing it to this date. So when some people come back and they need uh, specialized treatment uh, or, or service animals or, or, or services in general uh, that a lot of these great organizations provide, uh, getting them uh, 
uh, directed toward the right program that best fits them, especially when people are just not ready, depending on what happened overseas, to get back into uh, uh, normal interaction with their community or, in some cases, their family. Now, who wants to tell somebody that just got back from a very hard deployment that uh, you, we would rather you go do this and, and instead of uh, going back uh, home tonight? You know, nobody wants to do that. Uh, but, I mean, these leaders uh, at all levels have to get creative and, and have to work well together as a team in getting people that they identify as not being ready uh, to – uh, go straight back into their community, into the right program, with, and then allow them to go home whenever they're ready. But, but nobody wants to talk about that. So, so just shedding a light, the main intent was to shed a light on these programs that wh wh wherever they may be located at or headquartered out of, and they're across the U.S. Uh, and, and again, if they can't get it in their home port area or uh, where they're based at, then send them where they need to. They're doing very, they're working very hard. They've been working very hard for a long period of time in a lot of cases. So pay to send them wherever they need to go. If it's Bethesda, Maryland, if it's the NICO program, wherever it may be, pay to send them there uh, because they are going in harm's way on behalf of the United States, not just that command and that organization. Uh, so take care of them. And, and the leaders need to do a better job of taking care of people uh, because, I mean, in my cases, and in as small as a community as I came from, uh, nobody's calling to check on me. And I'm not saying I want that. But in some cases, you know, uh, maybe leaders should, you know, especially when uh, someone may be, uh, it has people's awareness levels raised for whatever reason or whatever sign they may have seen. Because leaders see them if they're paying attention, if they know their people, you know, if they know their family and then, and then uh, know them in general, they see signs. Don't just because they get out, just, all right, they're somebody else's problem now. Take care of them because there's ways to do it. And there's creative ways to do it, especially with social media. But I see it all the time. People get out. And they're on their own, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. And, and, and in some cases, it leads to that number spiking that we talked about earlier that usually sits around 22 a day. It's just too many. Uh, but, but for leaders, if you see signs and people are getting out, don't just assume it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else will help them. Do your part. Help them, you know, because they probably really need it. And then, and then if everybody does that and everything else we discussed and much, much more, then, then that number will start to decline. But, it, but it's going to take a huge effort and a huge team. That, that's 100% right. And, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, it, Tim, you and I have, have never met before. I mean, we recently uh, linked up on LinkedIn. Um, but this almost sounds like a marriage made in heaven uh, because what you're doing with that TV show is absolutely what we're trying to do with this podcast and that's just spread the word. Uh, I'm currently going through the transition process, the transformation process as we learned today um, to, to get out of the army. And it amazes me how many of my peers have no idea what's out there for them. And, mm -hmm. and so I've been, you know, as I reach out to people, try new organizations, I've been trying to spread the word and bring people on like yourself to talk about the various things that you got going on and why you're in the space 
So I think that there's a lot of things that you, you the, the three of us could probably do together down the road to really help the community as a whole, just getting that information out there. Uh, so we're definitely going to have to talk about that. Um, but we're, we're coming down to the end, which I don't know what's going on today, but every interview we've had, Mark, is, is just gone by super fast. And it's like, I got a hundred more questions I'd love to ask. We might have to go to an hour long format. Um, <laughs> you're trying to drop a bomb again. You do the wrong one up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hey, but, yeah. Well, hey, when there's fire, wait, when there's flame being spoken, it goes quick like this. And, and man, you just got a ton to offer. Yeah. And I agree with Sean, Tim, like, I think that um, probably the biggest benefit we could help each other with is just sharing information. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I got your LinkedIn here. I'm going to put up on the screen if people want to connect with you. Um, As we get ready to close, how can people help you out? How how can people get involved, whether it's through Task Force 808 Consulting, your TV show, helping other people? I mean, where do you need help or where do you want people to try to get involved? We'd, we'd love to, to spread the word on that as well. well. I mean, these podcasts work, they do wonders. I mean, uh, it, it definitely reaches a broad audience. So, so this is a great start in, in staying in comms with each other. Uh, I'll share that spreadsheet via email that I've been communicating with you on uh, as far as all of the nonprofits. And that's just the list that I put together um uh with you and uh i have all the i I don't have necessarily the people's contact info that run them because i kind of stripped that but i definitely have the location it's where the uh what the nonprofit organization is their title and where they're located and uh via sepcor i can get you any info you need but getting the word out on on where these uh organizations operate where they're headquartered out of where they have offices or branches and, and then uh then people and leaders can pick the right program that best fits either them or the personnel that they're trying to take care of um so so that that would be um very helpful is is with your audience and with whoever you have contact with share that list uh that i'll send you and uh and and then we'll continue to add to it because like blue water advisors uh, great leaders and uh, that, that run the organization. They'll be down here in Pensacola at the end of September running a program. Uh, they're based out of Norfolk, Virginia. But um, a couple months ago, I didn't have any idea that they even existed. So there's so many organizations that are doing super work like them and uh, that just not many people know about. And uh, the last I heard, they didn't have the, uh, the number that they were looking for as far as running the course down here. Hopefully they do uh, today uh, have the, uh, the people to fill up the course. If not, uh, if you're based in the Pensacola area, uh, Blue Water Advisors, and uh, I, I can definitely point somebody in the right direction if you're here or you can travel here. If there is still a billet available, then by all means, take advantage. And then whether it's the Honor Foundation, Commit Foundation, Elite Me, I could go on and on. They all do super work. They all get from ACP uh, Catalyst. They And they get from A to Z differently. But at the end of the day, their product works, their services work, and people are very thankful that they were afforded the opportunity to uh, take part in those programs. Uh, and, and, and that's by no means... If I missed out and, and uh, left the organization off, 
please forgive me because that list is way more. Uh, there's way more organizations to add to it. Uh, and that's what we'll do uh, in staying in contact. So, so that's hey, how I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit you up too, Tim, because uh, we got some plans. We're, we're making some plans to get down to Gulf Shores. So I know it's just a hop, skip, and a jump over. Sure is. Yeah. We'll go out and uh, grab a. We'll go out and grab a, a flight of whiskey. <laughs> Y'all gonna have to let me know. I have to come stay with my parents, then. we'll we'll just make it a whole <laughs> a whole thing down in Pensacola. Um, th thanks again, Tim. Uh, and, and like you said, there's so many out there. Forty thousand plus organizations all doing their own thing, their own way. Great things. Uh, appreciate what you're doing. Look forward to seeing the the future success here, especially with the TV show and getting the word out. Just amazing stuff. And I look forward to our continued work. Um, we're going to go ahead and close out. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, remember, don't drown the sea of transition, but grab the Vet SOS Lifeline. Thanks again, Tim. And we will be talking to you later. Thank you.